Well, good evening. Uh, it is really cool to be here with you guys. Um, uh, my church that I pastor at is a small little church uh, out in Nanticoke, uh, Maryland. I'm a pastor of a, a Methodist church, primarily retired folks. So uh, this is kind of an interesting thing. I, uh, none of you, most of you aren't retired. Don't look like you're retired anyway. If you are, that's awesome. You guys, you did good in life. You retire early. But uh, it's so cool to be here. Uh, if I say uh, one thing I want to uh, preface, I'm used to, in, in where I'm at, uh, we worship in the morning. So if I say this morning at any time, I'm sorry, it's just a habit, okay? Uh, so I want to begin by, uh, be, uh, by reading scripture. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew 18. Uh, it's going to be verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife, his children, and all of his possessions. And payment was to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before the king and said, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything in time. And out of pity for this man, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave his debt. But that same slave, as he went out, he came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. And seizing him up by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then this fellow slave fell down, pleaded with him, have patience with me. In time, I will pay you back. But this slave refused. Then he went and threw the man into prison until he could pay his debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the Lord all that had taken place. Then the Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he could pay back his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I'm reminded there was a story I heard. Uh, uh, There's this little boy. He was sitting on a park bench. And uh, face is completely red. He is in agony, in sheer pain. And uh, another man's walking down uh, the road in this park. And he sees this young boy. And he walks up to him. And he says, what is wrong? You look, and you just look horrible. You look like you're in so much pain. The boy looked up and said, I am sitting on a bumblebee. The man is just, you know, again, he cannot believe what this boy just said. He said, well, why don't you just get up then? Get off the bee and you'll start feeling better. And the boy replied, well, I figured that I am hurting the bee more than he is hurting me. So I'm going to stay here. You know, and, and it's, a, it's a silly story, but I, I don't know about you, but you, you turn on the news and you walk outside your door, you talk with your friends 
classmates, you talk with neighbors and friends, and there's a lot of hurt out there, isn't there? There's a lot of pain. And honestly, there, it's for a good reason, right? People have been, uh, been hurt, been treated poorly, been abused. There is a lot of hurt out there. And it really shocks me that, you know, there's so much pain, there's so much division in our world today. And, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, I, looking up on, uh, you know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving on Thursday. And I, I, it's sad to think that there are some people in families as they gather together to have a meal, to share time together, there's a lot of pain and hurt in that family. Uh, and, and maybe from the people that are in that room. They've hurt each other. And it hurts me to, to think about those individuals who have to, to have to show up and sit with those individuals who have hurt them. And, and the pain that they feel and the pain that they, that they hold on to, they, they won't let go because they've been hurt. And you know, I think about this idea, you know, our text this, this, after, our text this evening tells us about unforgiveness and the part that it plays on the, those people who have hurt us and the part that it plays on us as well. You see, unforgiveness, it means we desire, really, to hurt those people who have hurt us. The healing process can only begin when we are willing to do what this little boy in the story would not do, and that's get up and begin to heal, to begin to let go. God will only heal our wounds when we're willing to, to stop inflicting pain on those who have hurt us. And that is the truth, and our scripture, the scripture this evening tells us this. Peter asks a question, right, in good fashion. Peter was good at this. He comes to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times should I forgive those individuals who have hurt me? Should I do it up to seven times? And so when Jesus answers Peter, he's not merely trying to increase Peter's sense of mercy, he is not providing a quantitative answer. It is not about the amount, but he's saying it is the quality of the answer. Jesus is saying, in essence, Peter, you should forgive as many times as necessary. There is no final number in forgiveness. Now, I, you know, I think it's an odd state, you know, it's an odd question for Peter to ask, and I think we have to give him a little bit of credit. Right? The tradition of the day in the ancient Near East said that a person might be forgiven three, maybe four times, but that's it. Any more than that, and you just, you have to let that person go. You never forgive them after that, four at, at most. And so Peter, after traveling with Jesus and listening to the stories and, and teachings of Christ, Peter is starting to see something that the world says three, maybe four times forgive, but Jesus is speaking about love and this endless love, and it's not really matching up. And so Peter, in good Jewish form, he goes to his rabbi and asks, what is the right answer? And, you know, it's interesting. I told you three to four times, right, was the standard practice of the day. Peter's thinking, I'm going I'm to up this a little bit, maybe prove to Jesus how much I love people. Jesus, should I forgive people seven times? You know, so Peter's adding a little more to it, right? And Jesus, of course, tells him, no, it's not about the number. In reality, Peter failed to grasp the true nature of love. You see, love doesn't say it's, you get seven chances or 77 chances to mess up before I reject you, in, you know, instead of the normal practice of three. Love says, I won't reject you no matter what. No matter how, times you, how many times you mess up, 
how much suffering it causes. You see, Peter was thinking in terms of laws, of rules, and the standard practice of behavior for the day. So Jesus decides to tell, uh, to go a little bit further, and, and like in, in, good, uh, in, in good form for Jesus, he tells a parable, right? And so he, he tells this parable, and it's interesting if you notice, Jesus sets up the parable not as a moral imperative, but as a financial and legal story. It's about money. So the parable begins with a, with a king who's settling up accounts, and he wants the money that is owed to him. And so he calls all of those individuals to him to make them pay, to, to settle up. And a servant comes in who owes the king 10,000 talents. Now the servant cannot pay what the king orders, and, and, and so the king says, you're going to be sold into slavery. Not just you, your wife, your children, they're going to become slaves to pay off the debt. We're going to sell everything you own, and all of that will go towards the debt, and then you're going to stay in prison working off what you owe. Now, we have to ask, how much is 10,000 talents? Um, it's an astronomical money, it's an astronomical amount of money from this day of time. Now, it's hard to say what a talent was worth because a talent is a measure of weight, roughly about 130 pounds. So, uh, and, and you know, it's, and it's a weight of, of silver, gold, or some type of precious metal is usually what it was. What it was. Now, in monetary terms, as be the best guess that scholars can come up with is that it's equal to about 15 years. One talent is equal to 15 years of wages, okay? So this man owes 10,000 talents. And if my math is correct, that is 150,000 years of wages this one individual owes. It's more than 3,000 life sentences. So given this insurmountable debt that the servant owes, he begs for more time to pay it off, which would have been impossible to do. But the king submits, gives the man more time, even goes above and beyond, actually forgives the debt outright, saying, you owe me 150,000 years of wages, and I'm going to forgive all of it right now, today. You haven't done anything. The, the, man, the servant only asks for grace, and he didn't deserve it. Legally, he was bound to pay what he owed, but the king offers grace for no reason that we're told just because he chose to. Now, if we ended the story there, that would have been, that's a great, that's a great story, right? Uh, we all learned a lesson. We can go home with a happy story and, and all is well. But, uh, you know, we, we could easily see that, you know, this is stories about God forgiving debt that, you know, we couldn't pay off on our own. It's an act of grace. But Jesus extends this parable even further. Because this parable is not just about God forgiving humanity, it's about humanity doing the same. You see, the forgiven servant, he goes out, he finds someone who owes him 100 denarii. And, uh, you know, one denarii is about one, wage, one day's wage. So the man owes him 100 days' wages. Uh, you know, 150,000 years worth of wages, 100 days' wages. Right? It's a big difference in the amount owed. Easily, you know, it's still, uh, still a large amount of money, 100 days of wages, but something that you could have paid off in time. Right? He goes to him and says, pay me right now what you owe. 
The man, again, if you read the text, it is a word-for-word account of what the first servant said to the king, saying, just give me more time and I will pay you back. But this, this forgiven servant isn't forgiving to, the, to the, uh, the individual owes him money. He throws the man in prison and tells him, you will work off what you owe me, and you, until then you'll stay in prison. You know, this, it's a sobering story in the least, but I think it would be easy for us to simply ignore it and disregard it as something that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of application to our lives. You know, on the surface, this really is a story about debt and paying off debt, and it's about money. And in America, we know today that there are rules that protect us who owe other people, right? You're not going to be sold into slavery for, uh, for money that you owe. Your, your family is not going to be forced into slavery to repay your debt. You know, there are protections in order for us to pay back what we owe. And besides that, the actions of this main character, right, they're so outrageous that we would say, you know, this is just played up. This doesn't have any application to us today. And that is the problem. You see, this parable really is holding up a mirror to our hearts, showing uh, who we really are. And, and, and for those of us who have a difficult time with this, it's because we have a hard time seeing our own reflection, our heart's own reflection in this story. And we would hate to admit that we're, we, we can be like this individual more than we realize. You see, this parable, again, on the surface, it's about financial debt. And, you know, I think Jesus was telling this parable because, hey, who doesn't like to hear a story about how much somebody else owes? And, and, and it's kind of like a reality show. But really, this story is not about money at all. It's about forgiveness of sin between God and between us. Now, in order to appreciate the point of this parable, we need to understand first and foremost that every one of us who has ever lived, we find ourselves in the same position as this slave. Because of our sin, we are also in a great debt that we could not pay off and it's uh, it's beyond our ability to pay. We don't have enough time in our lifetime to pay it back. Our only hope is forgiveness. And the good news is that is just what Jesus promised to each of us. All we have to do is ask, and forgiveness is there given to us. No strings attached, which is amazing news for us. But the problem now comes when we uh, uh, are not as willing to return the favor and offer forgiveness to others. You see, because forgiveness, it is a really difficult thing to do. The author uh, and fiction writer and, uh, you know, famous Christian apologist C.S. Lewis, he wrote it like this. He said, every one of us says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until there is something for us to forgive. You see, if I fail to forgive, the truth is it has an effect on the person, but it has an even greater effect on, on me. And if I want to be free... If I really want to grow in my knowledge and understanding of God, if I want to love as God loves, then I must be willing to forgive. Think about it like this. Natives in Africa who are trying to capture monkeys, they do this by setting up cages and placing bait inside of the cage. Now, the bait could be whatever, food, something shiny, an object. And the monkeys are far too smart to actually go inside the cage to be trapped. 
So what they will do is they will walk up, they will reach their hands through the bars, grab the object, and then try to pull it back, pull it out. The problem is the object is bigger than the width of the bars. And so they find themselves trapped. The only way that they can be set free is to let go. But they won't. They will scream and cry and kick, but they still keep holding on to the object. They stay trapped in their bondage because they refuse to let go of that bait. Are we seeing some of the parallels today? Especially in our, uh, our parable from Jesus. How many of us are trapped in our lives because of our inability to let go and to offer forgiveness? Do you really want to know how much you should forgive? Then tell me at what point you would like God to stop forgiving you, for God to stop loving you, for God to stop offering grace and forgiveness to each of you. When you find that answer, you'll find the answer to your question. So how much should we forgive? What amount should I be willing to let go? You know, what number would be the adequate number to count on when it comes to forgiveness? Well, God tells us, especially in this parable, in our, in our text this evening, that that is simply the wrong question. Instead, we should be asking ourselves, how much am I willing to love? You see, forgiveness for Jesus is a way of being. It's a way of living, and it's a way of loving. If we are to follow Christ, then it, this should be our way of living as well. So, who do you need to forgive today? If you're holding on to resentment, to bitterness, anger against someone, then you need to let go of those feelings, of that resentment, and begin the process of offering forgiveness. Not a superficial thing, but sincerely and genuinely from your heart. You see, forgiveness, it is not saying that what that person did to you is right. It's not condoning the actions. It is simply saying, I am no longer going to let those actions control me. They will have no hold over my life. I'm going to get up off the bench. I'm going to let go of the object, and I'm going to be set free. And when we begin to do this, we're setting that individual who hurt us free, and it sets us free as well. Forgiveness, the world says forgiveness is weak. That's quite simply put. The world says forgiveness is weak. That you have to hold on to that anger. You have to use that anger to, to hurt that person because they hurt you first. It is not a passive thing to offer up forgiveness. It actually takes a great amount of strength and courage Forgiveness and being forgiven is part of the human fabric. And specifically, it is what defines us as followers of Christ. It may take time. It is, again, it is not an easy thing. Forgiveness will take time to work through those feelings and anger and hurt. But you, we must be willing, given enough time to let it go, to release it. By doing so, you will be set free. And as people who have been forgiven, each one of us, who we have been forgiven, our job now is to pass that forgiveness on to others. You see, 
at the end of our passage this evening, Jesus ends by telling us a very stern warning. You see, Jesus says, the forgiveness that you offer will be offered to you. But the forgiveness that you fail to offer will be failed to be offered to you. We as people of Christ need to be people who are willing to love. Love so much that we will offer forgiveness. Especially to those individuals who have hurt us the most. And when we begin to do this, when we begin to work through the process of offering love and forgiveness, we will start to see that our world becomes a little less divided. We will start to see the others as simply not uh, another political party, another individual, another this or that, whatever label you want to put on it. We will begin to see people as God sees all of us, and that is human beings made in the image of God. And when we're willing to offer love and forgiveness, then we, become, we begin to love and act more like Christ as well. So this evening, I, I want to ask you one last time, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to show love to? And I pray that it would begin tonight.